Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Welcome to Victory Family Church. How's everybody doing today? Good. Man, welcome home. If you're a first-time guest, kind of a privilege and honor that you would be here today. Um, if we have not met, I'm David Donaldson, the lead pastor here, and uh, man, I'm grateful that you guys are here today. I say this every single week, is that we know we're not the church for everyone, but I do believe we are the church for anyone. So no matter your background, your upbringing, where you're coming from, where you're going, uh, we believe that we could be church for you, not just church for you, we could be family for you. As so many people have found family here at VFC, I hope the same is true for you today. Uh, just a couple things before I jump into my message. Tonight is fall family night. Hey, yeah, so 5.30 to 8 o'clock. We want you and your family to be here. Bring your neighbor, bring a friend. I promise it'll be a night that you will not regret being here. It's just a night to hang out. Um, and if you're entering the chili cook-off, just be prepared to lose. Because, uh, uh, whoa, talking trash. I'm talking trash. I'm also excited today. Um, uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, deer season opened yesterday, um, and football season apparently is over. Uh, so, like, I watched that, that OU game, and I was like, what is happening right now? Like, I guess it's over. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna quit the program, and, uh, and then Arkansas played Alabama, and I was like, well, this isn't going to get much better. Um, so the day went from bad to worse, so I ate my sorrows away at the food truck festival. So, uh, no, man, it was, it was, if you're an OSU fan, though, congratulations, I guess, whatever. Uh, so, <laughs> continue beating nobodies. It's fine. Nobody cares. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm talking trash up here. I said I wasn't going to do this today, but here I am. Here I am. Cousin quarrels amongst the brother. Man, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> we're all family. It's fun. Uh, anyways, anyways, we're going to continue our series today uh, on the inner circle. Maybe I need to get closer to Jesus. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, the premise today is this. It's, this has been throughout the, uh, the series is you're as close to Jesus as you want to be, right? It's all of us. It's, and so I, I challenge all of you at the beginning of this series and, and myself included is this, is that we're going to push all the excuses aside. We're not going to make excuses of why we're not closer to Jesus or not as close to Jesus as we would want to be or like to be. Um, and so we're just gonna, we're gonna put all the ownership back on ourselves, back on our shoulders. Like if we wanna be closer to Jesus, it is gonna be by the, by the decisions that you make to follow him each and every day of your life. So if you're not as close to Jesus as you would like to be, good news, good news is today that you can. You can actually be closer to Jesus. But today, I'm just gonna be honest with you, it, it, may, it may not be as easy as it was the, the past few weeks. Because uh, we we started in the crowd, uh, and so the crowd is a place for the skeptic. The crowd is a place for the curious, right? It's a good place to start, but it's a terrible place to stay. And then we moved into the, the 5,000, and the 5,000 is about what, what Jesus can do for me, right? It's where I, I was healed, and it's where I was, it's where I was fed. And a lot of people tend to stay within the 5,000 in their faith. And then we went to the 70, and the 70 is about working from his approval, not for his approval, right? Well, I'm working from his approval. God has already approved me. God has already chosen me. I'm, I don't work because I don't work because he will save me. No, I work for him and I love him. And I do the things that he's called me to do because he has saved me. And so this week we're gonna we're gonna move into the twelve. The twelve represents leaving and following. It represents taking up your cross and and dying to your 
to yourself. Like I told you, this one's going to be a little bit harder than the previous weeks. See, when you get to the 12, what matters most is, is no longer what he does for us, but only simply that he walks with us, right? And this week is, is when following Jesus, if I'm just being honest, as a, as a follower, it gets really hard. And I don't mean to say that to discourage you in any way, shape, or form. It's just the reality, right? But, and I, but I will say the reality in following Jesus, the more you follow Jesus, is that your next step is the best step. Whatever he's calling you to, like it may seem intimidating and it may, it may have a little bit of fear and anxiety that comes along with it, but your next step in following him is your best step, right? It, it, you're getting closer and closer to him. You're, you're beginning to learn his character more and more. You're beginning to understand why he did the things he did and said the things that he, that he said, right? And so my fear today is this, is that, that some of you will say, Man, this is just, this, this, is, this closeness, it just isn't for me. It's just, it's just a little much. And you'll return to the crowd because following Jesus this close comes with a cost. See, most people get stuck in steps one, two, and three, and they begin to, to repeat that cycle over and over and over again. So I want to encourage you to not get stuck. Don't get stuck, but to keep going, to keep pressing forward because Jesus invited people to be a part of the crowd, yes, all the time. Right? He, he always invited more, more and more people to be a part of the crowd. And we even talked about that in, in week one. Is that if, if you're already a follower of Jesus, if you had already see, seen yourself in, in, in the 70 or in the, in the 5,000 even, or maybe you even see yourself as part of the 12, then your responsibility is to invite people to be a part of the crowd. At the church, we do these things all the time, right? We do special Sundays, right? We do like tailgate Sundays and game day Sundays, uh, right? We do donut holes because why? Because every kid in America loves donut holes, right? Whether you want them to or not, they love them, right? We do nights like tonight where we get to hang out together. We get to spend time together. We get to invite people to be a part of the crowd, right? We do things like best month ever intentionally because this is inviting people to be a part of the crowd. And, and, it's, and it's also this, when you don't want to go to church and your kids wake up and they want to go to church because they want to be a dinosaur on Sunday, they can, right? And you get annoyed because you just wanted to sleep in. But no, your kid has to be a dinosaur today. So, see, we're a lot smarter than you, than you give us credit for. <laughs> but all of those things are to create a welcoming and loving environment. It's, it's to get people to hear more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to get to hear more about what, what following Jesus is truly about, right? It's to come see who Jesus is. But when you know who he is, that we all decide to follow him to a deeper, deeper level. Like when we understand of who Jesus was and what he did while he was on this earth, we begin to want to follow him to a deeper level. So in Matthew 16, verses 21 through 27 is where we'll pick our, our text up today. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter. And what does he say? He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Verse 24, it says, And then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 
Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Let's pray today. Jesus, today we love you. And God, I thank you so much. Uh, for all that you're doing in the hearts and the lives of your people. God, I pray that today that as we continue to, to go throughout this passage and we, God, we begin, to, we begin to take it apart and begin to apply it to our lives. God, I pray that you would speak, uh, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would speak to the areas of complacency, that you would speak to the areas of, of comfortability, God, that where we have relaxed within our faith and God, that you when realize that you are calling us to our next step. God, I pray for every single person in here today. Whatever that step is, God, may you impress upon their hearts. May you send the Holy Spirit, God, to speak to them and to come alongside them and to challenge them in their faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, Jesus invited, invited these disciples and in the same manner as he invites these disciples, he invites all of us today. And he never promised that it was going to be easy, right? In fact, he promises that it may cost you absolutely everything. But he also promises us in the light of eternity, it's going to be worth it, right? Like, it's like, it, it may cost you absolutely everything, but the in, li- in light of eternity, in light of, for, the, for all of existence, it's going to be worth it, right? And last week, we talked about God is not looking for your ability, but your availability, right? Like, you can have skills, and you can have gift sets, and you can have things that you offer back to the Lord, but he's looking to see, are you available to him? Are you willing to be used by him? Are you willing to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit? Not just on a Sunday, not just on a worship night, not just on a Wednesday, but every single moment of your day, are you willing to listen to him? And when he asks you to do something, you're saying, Lord, I'm available. I'm available in this moment to be used by you, right? And so that's what he asks us. To be in the 12, it's not about a, great, it's not about a greater level of talent or knowledge. It's simply just a greater level of sacrifice, I mean, look at the 12. The 12 disciples of Jesus were average at best, right? Like, I mean, I mentioned this last week, but none of them had finished their schooling or their training, right? They, they were supposed to be rabbis. That's what they had gone for. And, when you, and what would happen is this. Let's just say, for instance, I was a plumber for a while. So let's just say that I'm going to school. I'm going to be a rabbi. And then if I flunk out uh, to be a, of being a rabbi, then I go back and I do what my father does. So if my father was a plumber, I go back and I plumb, right? This is what, what would happen of the day. So all of these men, they weren't, they weren't able to be rabbis. They didn't memorize the Torah, right? So they, they, all of a sudden, they go back into a profession. And so Jesus comes in and says, I'm going to pick these 12 guys. I'm going to pick the, these 12 guys because... They don't have it all together. I'm going to pick the fishermen. I'm going to pick the tax collector. I'm going to pick the zealot. And I'm going to pick Judas because even though everybody's going to hate him later, I'm going to pick him for, because he's truly in this moment, whether we like it or not, Judas is, he's a disciple. He's dedicated to, to, following, to following Jesus. And these guys are, are nobodies. They're just ordinary people. He didn't call them to lead or to even be leaders. He called them to follow him. He didn't call them to say, hey, if you follow me, then you'll be the greatest leaders to ever live. No, no, no. He said, follow me, right? And so they left their families, they left their careers, and they left life as they knew it. And all for this guy who says, hey, follow me, right? That just seems so crazy. And and God doesn't call you to lead. He calls you to follow. And, And as you follow him, you learn how to lead. Right? You learn how to, to, to be a leader. You learn how to do the things that Jesus does. You know how to, to be a servant leader. And none of the disciples signed on to lead. They all signed up to follow. But all of them became leaders in their own, in their own ways. 
And after Jesus ascended into heaven, it was the 12. Think about it. It was the 12 that went out and it changed the world. He's calling you and he's calling me to follow him. And you can't lead until you first learned how to follow. So what does it mean to take up your cross? Like, what does it actually mean for you to take up your cross? What does it mean for us to deny ourselves? What does it, what does it look like at this level of following? If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to continue to get closer to Jesus. What does it look like at this level? So if you're going to get into this level of following Jesus, there has to be a little want to about you, right? There's got to be a little something on the inside that says, I want to do this, right? It's not just going to come natural. It's going to be a little bit of, man, I want to be closer to Jesus. I want to know what he says. I want to know when I read these passages, what he's actually meaning and what he's trying to communicate to those that are around him in the day. And I want to be as close to him as possible. This, this type of Christianity is not casual Christianity. It's not learning the Christian lingo, right? Like, it's not walking around just saying Christian lingo, like I'm blessed and highly favored, right? Or, or, or maybe it's, it's God is good, right? And then you'd say all the time and all the time God is. It's not knowing those things. It's not the Christian lingo. No, it's about being truly closer to him. It's not saying the right things in the right moments. It's not a talent or special gift set. It's a commitment that'll cost you something. Like, when we continue to get closer to Jesus, you have to understand to be a part of the twelve. It's a commitment that's going to cost you something. You're going to have to give up something to be closer to him. And I, but I always look at it like this. And this is the, the example that I paint the picture the best in this. I love to go swimming, right? Especially swimming with my kids. But my kids do this weird thing, right? Like they just like, it's one step at a time for them when they're getting in the water. If they're in a pool, it's like they go one step and they stand there for a minute and they go for another step, another step. Not for me. I, I think if I'm 100 years old and I'm still swimming, I'm jumping in. I'm all in, guys. Like, I don't, I don't like this cold water, cold water, cold water. No, like, I just want to jump in and I want to get it over with. I want to be all in in this moment. And I think that it's kind of like that, right? It's kind of like that for all of us. Like, if you want your walk with Jesus, it has to be no different. Like, it's not, but oftentimes that's how we treat it. Like, let's just see how this works out. Okay, it's warming up. Oh, let's take another step. Let's see how this works out. Oh, okay, now it's not so bad, right? Like, and I think that's how we treat our relationship with Jesus. And I think Jesus' approach is more like, hey, are you all in or are you all out? I just, I, I need to know so you can go to the next level, so you can continue to follow me, so you can be part of the 12. Are you all in or are you all out? Like, where are you on this scale? Like, where are you in following me? I want you to be all, I want you to be all in. See, our walk with, with Jesus has to be an all-in moment. I think it's a moment that, that there should be a desire in all of us to just jump in this thing. And the hardest part about being a disciple is to understand that he is fully in control and you're not. Right? Like, he is fully in control of every aspect and you're absolutely not. Most people are, are more nervous when they, when they fly versus when they drive. But we would all know that statistics tell us that you're safer in an airplane than you are in a car. Right? You, have, you have more likely of a chance to die on your way to the airport than you do in a plane crash, which seems crazy. Because when I get in turbulence, I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is it. This is the moment, right? Like, I start praying. And Brittany's like, calm down. We're not going to die yet. I said, yes, we are. Like, you, who, who's going to raise our kids, right? Like, we're, like, this is a funny example, probably a really bad example. We had all of our pastors and, and uh, lead team. Uh, from the church, from all campuses, we were on an airplane going to Houston for a church conference or a pastor's conference, and we were all on there, and we were hitting some really bad turbulence, uh, and uh, one of the people on staff texted and said, well, if we all die, who's taking your job? We got to send this text message right now, because we didn't think this through, and I was like, yeah, uh, well, 
Pastor Jacob gets it because Brittany's, Brittany just lost her husband. She ain't pastoring nobody. Like, so good luck. Well, you know, it was like, they were like, he's been there a week. I'm like, well, you know, sink or swim. Here we go. Like, we're going to figure it out. I mean, we're all dead. So what does it really matter? So, right. But we think about these things all the time. But why, but why does it bother us to fly? Because we're not in control. When you drive, you're in control. You think you can control the aspect. You can control the outcome of everything that happens in front of you, right? On an airplane, you're not in control, so it freaks us out. To understand that, to understand that, that God, that as we know him, right, as he's our, he's our healer, he's our comforter, he's our king, he's our, he's our friend and our savior, but he's also our Lord. And I, and I don't think we understand that in our, in our current our current culture and society and the way we map things out. Like we don't understand lordship and we don't understand exactly what that means. But to call him Lord is a place of full submission, right? It's to say like, you're fully in control, God. You're in control of everything that you have given me. You're in control of my life. You're in control of my kids. You're in control of my finances. You are in control. And so as we understand this lordship thing, we have to understand that God calls us to three things. And those three things I want to break down real quick. First thing is this, denying yourself. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny them themselves. So we don't like this part very much, right? We like to listen. We like to work sometimes, maybe even collaborate with Jesus. But Jesus, I don't want to give you everything. Like, I'll, I'll collaborate with you. <laughs> like, Jesus, this is a good idea. We should work on this thing together. Like, I want, you to, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing, and I don't, like, and, and there'll be times I'll be a part of what you're doing, but more or less, I'm going to give you my dreams, and you're going to make my dreams come true, because that's what I think God does, right? But that's not really the case here, right? Like, like we all tell Jesus our plans. We all tell Jesus our schedules, and we see where he can fit in, and then when Jesus pushed back on, the, on our ideas, it's just like, yeah, well... You know, I just don't know if I want to be, I don't want to follow you that close. Like, I want to follow you close, but since you're pushing back on my dreams and my plans and my ideas and what life should look like and be like, ah, you know what, I think I'm just going to do it this way. Or I, I, just, I just don't know, like, I don't know if I'm going to trust you in every aspect, but I will trust you in, in these certain aspects. So, but, but now we, we have to deny ourselves daily. That's not halfway. That's not, again, on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's daily. I'm denying myself daily of the things that I want, the things that, that, that's all for me. And so I do this all the way in. Look, I love sweets. I, have a, I, have, I would say I have a love-hate relationship, but I have a love-love relationship with sweets. Sweets are the best thing ever, right? I don't, it doesn't matter. Like, I could eat a bowl of cereal every night for dinner and be just fine, right? Now, my clothes would think differently, but I my, myself internally would think, this is delicious. And you're probably thinking, wow, you're a child. Yes, I love cereal and ice cream. Anything sweet late at night is the best. It is the absolute best. And maybe you're just disagree, disagree with me here, but I just, man, I love everything about sweets. But there comes a point where I'm like, look, for longevity purposes, I can't do this every night, right? Like, I just can't. Like, I just, I can't eat cereal and, and, and ice cream every single night. I mean, I could, uh, but, but I often think about this. I mean, literally, it, it's what determines what I eat 90% of the time. It's not necessarily that I want to be skinny or anything like that. What, what it comes down to is I want to, I want to be along, I want to be around for my great grandkids. I want to live to be 98, 100, 105 years old. I know people are like, what? Why? Because I want to. 
I have goals in my life, and these are some of the things. If the Lord takes me sooner, so be it. But man, I want to live a long life where I'm healthy and I can do the things that I want to do, right? I want to go hiking, and I, and I, want, to go, I want to go kayaking. I don't want to have any restrictions to be able to, that's holding me back to do something. You know what I also want to do? I want to pastor this church. And I know that physical health comes with mental health, and it comes with spiritual health. Like, all these things are tied together. And so I want to be the healthiest version of myself that I can be. So I can enjoy the passions in life that God has given me. So I can learn how to deny myself, uh, right? I have, to do, I have to learn it. It's not just something that I wake up like, oh, this is easy for me. No, I learn to deny myself because I'm believing in something so much bigger and something so much better that God has for me. See, when Jesus calls his disciples, they all had jobs. They all had a career. They all had a path. The ones that were fishermen didn't fold their nets and put them in storage and pack them away nicely. No, they literally dropped their nets and left immediately. They said, my, my life won't be about me anymore, but it'll be about him. Right? It, was, it was always the, 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 the effect of, I'm dropping this now to go to do this then. I remember there was a time in my life, and this is not in my notes, so who knows? Maybe the Lord won't speak to this. I was... Uh, I, was, I had my plumbing license in Texas when we go to full-time ministry. I'm in full-time ministry about two and a half years. And man, I was like, there was always this thought in the back of my head. And I would tell Brittany, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go back to plumbing. If this doesn't work out, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to plumb again and we'll be fine. Like if ministry is just not what the Lord has for us, then I have a fallback plan. And so I kept my license up. When we moved from Texas to Arkansas, I transferred it and I kept everything going. I kept my, my license in Texas. I kept my license in Arkansas. And, we were, and I just kept them. And finally, I just felt like I was praying one day. And of course, I was reading scripture. And it felt like the Lord told me. He said, David, burn your plows. And so if you don't know the reference of that, it's when uh, Elijah tells Elisha, come and follow me. And Elisha turns and he burns his plows. in a signification of saying, I'm never going back to this. Like I'm following you. And I'm 100% in. I'm all in on this. I'm not going back. There's nothing to go back to. And so I just felt like the Lord told me to burn my plow. So I went to Brittany and I said, you're going to think I'm crazy. And she said, I often do. <laughs> you know, like she always says. And I said, I feel like the Lord wants me to let my license go. And she goes, you know what that means, right? That's more OJT hours. It's this, it's this. And I said, yeah, I know. I just, I just feel like it's a crutch. And I can never be all in. I can never be what God's called me to be. And I can never do what God's called me to do if I keep holding on to the past. And this is what God's called me to. And so I'm going to let it go and I'm going to step into it. And I'm scared to death because what if we fail? Like, what if, what if we don't make it? Like, what if all of a sudden we just suck at what we do? I probably shouldn't say that from the stage, but I did. Uh, what if we're just not good at this? But the reality was I would never know until I burned my plow. I would never know until I was 100% all the way there, until I was 100% all the way in for what God had called me to. And so I deny myself of the, the comforts and the, the convenience and to be an okay with if, if this doesn't work out, that God will always have a plan, that God will always lead me. Second thing is this, is take up your cross. This is a bold statement. I mean, can you imagine the imagery that ran through their minds? What did he say? Take up my... Does he know that's an execution device? Does he know that means death? Does he know that means public humiliation? Does he know that means a beating in front of everybody that we're stripped of our clothes and we're nailed? Does he, knows, does he know what this means? We've seen this. We've walked up and down the streets. We've seen them hanging on the hill 
for everyone to see. I don't, I don't think Jesus understands like what, is, what he's saying when he says take up a cross, right? Like essentially it's like dead man walking. There's no way out of this. But he says to take up our cross. See, when, when, when we do this, we pick up the assignment from God. And we're, and we're dead to my old life, but I'm now living for him. See, I hear people say all the time this, this, this statement that, oh, that's just my cross to bear. All the time when they're referring to a sickness or a struggle or even an attack from the enemy. I want to bring some clarification to you. That's not your cross to bear. That's the thorn in your flesh. Paul refers to a thorn in your flesh. Those things are a thorn in your flesh because you didn't choose those. A cross to bear is something that you choose. Like I'm choosing to bear this cross, right? This, this is a cross is picked up, Right? And you would think, oh, well, maybe an addiction. No, 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 addiction's not. Addiction's completely different. It's not your cross to bear. That's a temptation you struggle with. A bad marriage is not a cross that you bear. Right? We, 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 pray, for, we pray for these things because they're thorns and they're struggles and they're things that we need the, the Holy Spirit and God to help us with. But a cross to bear is a decision that you're going to make. Knowing that the world may hate it. Knowing that your family and your friends may hate it, but you're going to be this committed to Jesus anyways because God has motioned you to follow him and carrying your cross is is saying if if the Lord is calling me to it even I'm going to do this even if it costs me everything even if it costs me everything Lord where do I sign up and so think about this think about how the disciples died Andrew was crucified Bartholomew was beaten and crucified James son of Alphas was stoned to death James son of Zebedee was beheaded John died of old age after being boiled alive and exiled. Judas was stoned to death. Peter was crucified upside down. Matthew was speared to death. Philip was crucified. Simon was crucified. Thomas was speared to death. And Matthias was stoned to death. Following Jesus comes with a great cost. And I know this doesn't sound incredibly compelling, right? This is not the most encouraging moment where you're like, I feel so encouraged right now, Pastor. I just want to follow the Lord because I'm going to die, right? Like, no. But I, but I promise you this next step will always be worth it. Like what, like what it would look like for your life if you would continue to follow him. Because what we think about is we think about something so, so here and now. We think about something so, so carnal, right? And, I, and, I, and I've used an illustration in the past where I take a rope and we stretch it across the stage and it, and it, and it represents eternity. And there's this little portion on the end of the rope, it's about this long, that we tape, I tape up red. And I said, this is your life expectancy. And what you do here determines what this looks like. Right? And it's like all this little bit of time determines all of eternity, everything that it's going to look like. And so this, is, this matters. Following Jesus in the, in, the, in the minor portions of our life, in the little stages of our life, matters for what God wants to do in and through you and through all out eternity. It matters. And it's a big deal to, to be a disciple is to understand that this life is about preparation for our eternity. They denied flesh, meaning they denied the comforts of, of this life, and they embraced the impact of what they would have on eternity. They took up their cross, and they simply, and lastly, is follow Jesus. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says this, and I'm reading now the message translation. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. 
Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and he develops well-formed maturity in you. So culture says, discover you. That's terrible advice. Because the Bible says that on your best, like literally your best that you would have to offer is like filthy rags to him. So don't discover you. Discover what God has for you. See, following Jesus is literally about that. Following Jesus. It's about reading the Gospels and understanding the life that he lived and how he lived it and how he lived for other people and how he lived selflessly, how he lowered himself to that of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. Think about that. He was, he was the King of kings. He was the Lord of lords. Like, he was, like, it was God in flesh, but yet he has these 12 men. And in moments, one of those 12 men would, would betray him, but he kneels down and he begins to wash their feet. As an act of a servant would do this. A slave would do this. Not not the king of kings. Not the savior of humanity. See, following Jesus, I often look at it like this. It's like following someone in a car. That person happens to be me, good luck. I'm the worst person in the world to follow. Like, I'm just being honest. I'm going to be transparent. Like, I love you guys, but if you're following me, uh, it's better off that you just say, what's the address? And then you put it in your phone and then then you arrive there before me or after me because like you're it's not it's no good to follow me my wife will tell you this like I will wait to the very last minute and then I will run every single light on the way there I will drive five to ten miles an hour over if you're a police officer in the room you heard nothing right like it's just one of these things right that's just how it goes I'm speeding everywhere I'm running lights they're pink not red just so you know we'll clarify that light turns yellow you better keep up you better punch it baby like I ain't slowing down for you and then at some point along the way I will forget that you're following me altogether. and then I'm like why is this car following me and Brittany's like are you kidding right now like you told them to follow us like this is what you're doing this is what we're doing right quit getting distracted like you you have short-term memory loss or something Dory keep going right but the closer we get to Jesus the easier it is to follow if you're following someone in the car, the closer you are to, to them, the easier it is to follow. Because at some point, if you're not that close, you can look up and like, oh man, where'd they go? I lost them in traffic or I lost them here, I lost them there. And you can lose them easily. So don't let anything get in front of you between you and Jesus. Don't get distracted by what's going on around you. It's about you and him, right? And you, we have to ask these four questions. First question is this. What has Christ called you to leave? Right, this is the internal questions that I want you to ask this week. What has Christ called you to leave? I mean, it could be a job. It could be a friendship. It could be like the, your favorite place to, to go have a cup of coffee with all the boys. Right? It could be, it, what is it that the Lord has called you to leave? Second thing is this. How has he called you to follow? How has God called you to follow him? How, how, what does that look like? The third question is this. Did you leave? Did you leave what he asked you to leave? And the fourth question is this. Are you following? Oh, he's called all of us to follow, but are you, are you following him? Are you following him? So you're either following him or you're, you're falling back. 
Judas and Peter are interesting cases. Both of them are sold out to Jesus undeniably, right? They, they followed, he calls them, they follow him. They're sold out in every way, in every shape, in every form. They're, they're followers, they're true followers of Jesus. And at the end of, the, of, the, of Jesus' course here on earth, both of them denied Christ. Judas would sell Jesus out and Peter would deny Christ three times, right? And even Jesus told him, he said, you'll deny me before the day's end, before the rooster crows three times. And so he does. One of them, it would lead to suicide. Judas sells him out and then he runs off and he realizes what he has done and he commits suicide. But, but Peter runs off and he's hiding and he's hiding for some while and then Jesus would appear to him and but Jesus asked Peter this question, and I think it's profound. And not only does he ask him once, but he asks him three times to bring restoration and a reminder to Peter of how many times he denied Christ. And he sits down with Peter and he says, after, after he's died and after he's resurrected, and he says, Peter, do you love me? Of course, of course I love you. Well, feed my sheep. Right? It, Peter, do you love me? Well, of course. Like, it's Jesus, I, I've given you everything. Then feed my sheep. It's like the second time I think he's feeding my lambs, and the third time, third time he goes back to him and he says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And I think for all of us today, that what we have to realize is this, is that I think more so than not, Jesus appears to us so many times. And I'd even say this as your pastor, so many times that Jesus comes alongside me and he says, David, do you love me? feed my sheep. Hey, hey, David, hey, David, David, do you love me? God, of course I love you. And I've given my life to this, of course. Feed, feed my lambs. But the same is true, not just for me as a pastor on stage and the things that I've given up in my life to follow him, but the same is true for each and every one of us. Is that Jesus is asking you the same question that he asked Peter. Maybe you've slipped back, and maybe you're in the crowd, or maybe you're in the 5,000, or maybe today you find yourself within the 70. I think Jesus is just reminding you, hey, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. So we always think that we have to be some kind of pastor or worship pastor or leader in this element to be able to, to disciple people, to lead people, to feed his sheep, as Jesus would call it. That's not, that's not the case. For each and every person that's in here today, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's people that you're responsible to disciple. There's people that you're responsible to lead along the way. Some of you today, Jesus is even speaking to your heart right now. And he's saying, feed my sheep. And the sheep that he's talking about is your kids. He's talking about your kid. Like, when's the last time you prayed for your children? Where they could hear you pray. I know it's intimidating, parents. I know it is, right? And it's, it's hard to get into the habit. But once it, once it becomes natural, once it becomes normal, it's the, it's, the, it's the greatest thing that you could do for your children. Another way that Jesus may be speaking to you today, saying, feed my sheep, maybe he's telling you right now, like, when's the last time you truly, you truly were in love with your spouse? The way you loved her on your wedding day. When's the last time you prayed over her and for her? When's the last time you, you gripped her hand because you were hurting and now your vulnerability, you were able to feed your spouse in a spiritual manner. When, when's, the, when's the last time that God has spoken to you for a, a coworker? And he says, hey, hey, do you love me? 
feed my sheep. And he's asked you to, to bring a, a, new, a new guy or a new person that's younger than you to mentor, right? Maybe they're your apprentice by accident, but God's saying, I know they're your apprentice in your work field, but maybe they could be your apprentice spiritually. And it's all of these things, all these instances that God places along our path and along our way and says, did you feed my sheep? And so today the 12 sounds intimidating, but when you get down to the root of it, when you get down to the base of it, it's this. Church, would you, would you feed his sheep? Would you love those who seem to be unlovable? Will you care for those who God has entrusted to you? Will you go out of your way and do the things that God has called you to do because he's asking you today, will you feed my sheep? Let's pray today. Jesus, today we love you and we thank you. God, I thank you for the, such the reminder, the reminder to feed your sheep. God, sometimes it just seems so simplistic, but that's what you're asking all of us to do. You're asking us to disciple and to love and to cherish and to care for those that are around us, to go the extra mile, to take the extra step. God, even if it's to give the shirt off our back to, to our brother in need, God, that you've asked so much of us, but God, I just pray that today, there's so, many, there's so many things, there's so many questions that I feel like is running through the hearts and the minds of every single person that's in here today. But God, the more importantly is this. I don't, I don't just pray for questions. I don't just pray for reminders. God, I pray, I pray that, God, there would be steps and acts of obedience out of this. That we would all continue to take our step of obedience and following you the way you've called us to follow you. God, give them the strength, give them the courage to do those things. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, look, the reality is today is I'm not following Jesus the way I should be. And today I need to repent. Today I need to give my life back to him. Today I, I need to start following him. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you just need to rededicate your life to him. But if that's you today and you say, look, I need to follow Jesus with my life, can you just slip your hand up, put it right back down? I just want to pray for you today. Thank you for your hand. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, man. God sees you and he loves you. Can we all pray this prayer out loud? Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you for the cross, for the burial, and for the resurrection. Today, I repent of my sins. I ask you to give me new life. Give me new purpose. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Chickasha. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.